Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. And for this week only, get a 110% sign-on bonus. 110% of your initial deposit by using code NEXTROUND. That's MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. Uh, Josh Pate is with us at Lee Kick Josh, 24-7 Sports. He's with us on the Johnston RV Center.com hotline. And I know what Pate's going to say. I'm not even going to say, would you rather own the Pirates, the college football playoff? <laughs> Aren't there three rivers? Isn't isn't it more than just one river up there? Isn't it a confluence of three? <laughs> it is. Right. Yes, that's right. Are they still at the confluence of three though, or are they only on the one? I think they're uh, only on the one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've never been. Yeah, yeah. It's Does true. anyone else want to make the correlation that it feels a lot like what some of the folks in that room are doing is essentially pirating from college football? Since we already made the analogy, let's just go all the way. Did you read the Dellinger report yesterday? Not about all the minutia of what's going on in these meetings right now, but the part where both on and anonymous sources quoted as saying, yeah, we're probably going to expand the playoff again to 16 teams. And I'm just sitting there with my hands up in the air like, told you. They're yeah. not stopping at 12. They were never going to stop at 12. I, I love how they're already talking. don't know how to stop. Yeah, they're already talking about expanding. We haven't even seen the 12 yet. They're already talking about expanding. Yeah, well, yeah the 12 team playoff era is old. It's played out now. <laughs> we, 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 we've almost had one full season of it. Yeah. So, yeah, let's go ahead and go to 16. Why not? Well, but, but I'll tell you why it's important to go to 16 or go to Please 8. Do. Or, Please go, do or go back to 8, which will never happen, is because I don't want to be so good like Georgia that I never, ever, 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 ever have a home playoff game. That I'm, I, I, I never play a playoff game in Athens. I'm so good that I have a bye when we're playing the cool games on campus, and I don't play a playoff game until we're in the New York Six Bowl games. I would like to offer a counter. <laughs> now, this is going to be sacrilege because it does involve leaving a few dollars on the table. But, you know, there's no rule. There's no amendment to the Constitution that says you can't have two rounds of playoffs on home campus. I know. You know, that's not etched in stone anywhere, although they would lead you to believe that. So if if the impetus for moving to 16 is, well, we got to make sure everyone gets a first-round or second-round home playoff game, even if they get a first-round bye, in uh, that case, if you saw the movie Basketball, it starts to sound a lot like their postseason structure, <laughs> where the champion of the East, South, Northwest, Northwestern division uh, gets a bye. And if there's no winner at the end, you just two-man sack race on consecutive Sundays until the champion is crowned. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, two on-campus rounds, the way to go. Hopefully, eventually, we'll get to that point. But we were doing the way-too-early top 25 that Slaybach put out revised after everything kind of settled and i brought this point for the top 10 you've got oregon and dan lanning you've got texas and steve sarkeesian you've got old miss and lane kiffin and you've got penn state and james franklin those four coaches can't win big games in order to be in the top 10 you have got to find a way to win big 10 or big games am i am i overstating this a little bit or would you agree those coaches for whatever reason can't find wins when it comes to top 10 games um well some of them i mean like landings what he's had two years as a head coach so some of them i would say there's a difference between have not and cannot and that's a theme we use all the time on the show but the other part of that, did you say Notre Dame, by the way? Is Notre Dame in there? No, I mean, I would. Th- uh, yeah, Notre Dame yeah. to us, very yeah. overrated at number five. But okay, so, yeah, Marcus so Freeman I, would be in that category, too. Yeah. 
And the reason I mentioned them is because we did this on last night's show and we talked about Notre Dame because we I, I took, you know, bold predictions and a guy said, Hey, I think they'll win it all in twenty twenty four. Wow. And I I had you know, obviously I pushed back on that because I don't think Notre Dame's gonna win a national title this year, but I don't think folks have really come to just like grasp what the difference is in being a playoff team versus being a national championship team. And it was already a big gap, and that's just when we had four teams. Like, think about how far Cincinnati was away from winning a title or TCU from winning a title. Well, in the 12-team playoff era, you're going to have a bunch of folks, and I guess this is the trick, this is the illusion. You're going to have a bunch of folks convinced, well, since we're a playoff-caliber program, we're right on the doorstep of winning a national title, and you won't be. In fact... I think the the sleight of hand is convincing you with more playoff spots, you've got a better chance of winning a national title. A team like Notre Dame's got a worse chance of winning a national title with a better chance of making the playoff. And I'd say the same thing about Penn State because now you cannot – I don't care how soft your regular season schedule is. Notre Dame plays one team in the regular season this year with preseason championship odds higher than them. And it's Florida State at home, and they get a bye before them. So they've got a nice long runway into the playoff. As you, can, you, can't oh, dodge, you can't dodge Texas in the playoff. You can't dodge Georgia. You can't dodge Oregon. And the difference in the modern model is instead of going through one or two, you may have to go through two or three or four, because remember with Notre Dame, they can't have a bye. So they've got to play every single game you could possibly play. Um and if you're, you're like Lance was talking about there, if you struggled to get through one of those big hurdles in the past, all of a sudden you're going to put it together and get through three of them in the span of a month? It's tough to envision. Uh, as you can tell, I've pulled my hair out, literally worried about uh, post-Nick Saban, Alabama. Where are you now as spring practice approaches with Ryan Grubb back uh, to the Seattle area for the NFL. They're promoting from within, it looks like, in the offensive coordinator. Um, where are you on the panic meter of the Alabama football program? I wouldn't panic losing Grubb much at all. Scott Huff is a pretty sizable loss. I know that's a coordinator I'm saying no big deal on. An offensive line coach I'm saying, yeah, I'm a little concerned, you know, nervously scratching the neck a little bit. But, I mean, let me let me put it to you like this. This is the reason I'm not freaked out about Grubb moving on. Number one, he was there five minutes. Uh, number two, I, I never freaked out when Lanning left Kirby. I wouldn't freak out if Schumann left Kirby tomorrow, if Muschamp left. It's because I know it's Kirby's. I didn't freak out when Golish left Josh Heupel because I know it's Josh Heupel's. And and Kalen DeBoer, whoever he elevates there, if it's Sheridan, someone else, he's calling the plays this fall. And it's something that he did a healthy amount of even when Ryan Grubb was there. Now, this is not the internal look you ever actually get at a program. We don't get access to the headsets, but that's that's second hat, man, to Kalen DeBoer. So that's not a big deal. But that offensive line being what it wasn't last year and getting the coach of the Joe Moore award-winning unit in there from the year prior, that would have been a nice boost to Alabama. Um, But I've got this crazy philosophy that I've clung to. And it is uh, don't judge a new staff before you get out of the first spring practice session. <laughs> and so I'm willing to, in February at least, I'm willing to say, eh, we'll see. I don't need to nail myself down on all this. We'll see. But I, I actually think in a roundabout way, I, I'd be more upset about losing Huff than I would be about losing Grub. 
Josh Pate with us, 24-7 Sports Athlete Kick. Josh on Twitter and his YouTube there. Go like and subscribe. Give him a thumbs up on all his YouTube. Same stuff we ask you to do for us. Do for Josh. He's with us on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline. Chip Kelly's Ohio State offense will look more like his Oregon offense or his UCLA offense. Which one will it be closer to? Well, it's whichever one he wants. I would imagine it'll be closer to his UCLA. I don't know. I, I, do you agree with me that people misremember what Oregon was under Kelly? Because in my mind, I think a lot of people remember a high-flying offense. No. And it was majority run. Yeah. Like they, they throw the ball all over the place. They, they had the ability to. Um, so in that sense, you, I guess you could answer either. But I think that I had a coach text me yesterday and say, do you realize he has never been at this, this talent advantage in his entire career? The only time he's ever coached talent that's that's better than what he's about to have is when he was literally in the NFL with the Eagles and then he didn't have an edge most Saturdays now he'll have high level talent and an edge most Saturdays so we've got a grading system internally every coach every assistant coach every coordinator and position coach we got him graded last 15 years and we look at things like uh you know who you had versus who you just brought in Bill O'Brien I know you guys probably talked about this a fair amount when he was brought in at Ohio State for a cup of coffee I heard some people up in Columbus trying to talk themselves into feeling good about it. Then I heard some people down in Tuscaloosa trying to talk him out of feeling good about it. And I just kind of sat back and watched and observed. And then he leaves. He takes the BC job. Chip Kelly comes in. Well, what I won't do personally is listen to someone say, uh, O'Brien, Kelly, whatever. These two things are not the same. Uh, Bill O'Brien, by my numbers, would have been ninth or tenth best coordinator in the Big Ten this upcoming year. I don't think highly of him at all. Chip Kelly, conversely, I think is one of the nine or ten best offensive coordinators in the country. We just hadn't we hadn't seen him be a pure OC in a long time. I, I cannot overstate, I can't overstate enough how big an upgrade staff wise I think it is. And remember, with all the talent they've had there, and with all the edges that they have at least 11 Saturdays out of the year, if not all 12, whatever that extra gust of wind in your sails is that you need to get over the hump, they haven't had that. And so I'm not telling you Chip Kelly brings that by any stretch, but I'm telling you they've made efforts all across the board up there to try and find whatever edge it is they need. And um, I credit them because people talk about Ryan Day like he's been in the industry 30 years and he's been a head coach 30 years, and they say he can't win a big game. Just hasn't. He just hasn't done it yet. I'm a believer that some guys crack the code seven years into their career. You know, when this 12-team football uh, playoff was announced, there was a theory out there that this would save a lot of jobs. I'm on the other side. I think it's going to cost a lot of coaches' jobs because if I'm a fan of 25 to 30 teams, I feel like my team at least every other year should be in the college football playoff. Would you agree when you look at this big picture, more coaches probably lose jobs than retain their jobs? Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think um, – so I think a lot of coaches were losing their job in the previous generation because of Nick Saban. And Saban came in and did stuff at Alabama that's really not supposed to be possible. And everyone assumed, well, if he can do it, it's technically possible. So if we're not matching that – Forget matching it. If we're not close to that, at least, we need to make a change. And some programs made changes who had no business firing their coach. And now the standard will be playoff. And, of course, you guys know as well as I do, somebody will walk in and they'll just 
boom, immediately. They'll, they'll take a new team to the playoffs since it's 12 teams. They'll get in there with a 10-2 and two record, and that'll be the standard. And everyone will start to think, well, in the portal era and the expanded playoff era, we shouldn't have to settle for a rebuild. Now, hey, Mike Norvell's done it and turned FSU into the number one program in the ACC, but forget about that. We shouldn't have to wait anymore. And if, if you're telling us we have to wait, there are better options out there. Yeah, total microwave mentality. Now more than ever in the expanded playoff era. Who handles the um, expectations better this upcoming year? Um, Ole Miss or Missouri? Because both of them are going to have uh, really amazing expectations moving into this year. I think Missouri folks will handle it better uh, because I think that Missouri folks can envision 2025 and 26 under their head coach. I don't think anyone at Ole Miss is talking about 25 or 26 under Lane Kiffin. I think the expectation in the industry, whether he can execute it or not, is pull something off that's really special in 2024 and then to what comes in 2025 and beyond. I think there's a lot more longevity built into what Eli Drinkwitz is trying to do. Now, that's not to say that Kiffin could not remain indefinitely and be a winner at Ole Miss or just rinse and repeat this process through the portal every year. The difference is I don't know that that's his aim, whereas I think Eli Drinkwitz is in it for the long haul up there, and they've they've secured him. There's, there's stability, there's structure. They just lost some really good defensive staffers to LSU. Those are really good coaches. Um, and not just Blake Baker. Kevin Peoples is, to me, one of the most underrated position coaches in America, and so he's got to replenish that side of his staff. But I think they'll handle it better. I don't think it's the end of the world if Missouri goes 8-4. and four. This year, if Ole Miss does, you know, it it may in a roundabout way feel like the Michigan thing this past year for different reasons. But the Michigan folks looked and said, hey, well, whatever happens, we got to get it done this year. Could lose our staff. NCAA could come knocking. So their mentality was forget it, edge of the cliff over there. We're not talking about 24. We got to get it done in 2023. And they did. And I think that's the mentality for Ole Miss. But imagine imagine if Michigan lost to Ohio State and didn't go to the Big Ten title game and, and lost a bowl game, and then all this happened. How would they feel? They'd feel gutted. It would be the most hollow-feeling era of Michigan football because you got close. You knocked on the door three times, and it never opened for you. Are you watching? Are you a fan of HBO's True Detective? So the Jodie Foster season I haven't started yet. I actually went and rewatched season one the other day. That's how much I love season one. But yeah, I'm a fan. Okay, well, so season one, really season four is a prequel or excuse me, a sequel to season one. And you'll see a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of correlations and, and, and there's, there's what you would call the Easter eggs all over the place. With that said, the backdrop you probably know is 24 hours of dark, cold Alaska. What I didn't realize, Alaska obviously on a coast. I know you're a big tornado guy. I don't know how into hurricanes you are. I didn't realize Alaska had hurricanes. Oh, my gosh. Do they? I've never heard of that. Yeah. Okay. So we need to talk about Aleutian lows and highs. So the Aleutian Islands up there, very very infrequently visited by those of us in the South. Um, when you get into oceanic oscillation patterns, which I know all you guys are, and hopefully the viewing audiences as well. Big fan, by the way. How, how northerly those highs and lows get in the Pacific. And it, it impacts what happens with our weather in our backyard. But it all starts off the coast of the Aleutian Islands up in Alaska. And yes, it can get crazy up there. And unlike down here, 
you know, if a, if a Gulf storm or a tropical storm hurricane makes landfall overnight, you say, boy, we got to wait to sunrise so we can see the damage. Sunrise never comes. It's just dark. You're, you're all, all your rebuild, your cleanup, your um, getting the power back on. It's just all in darkness. It's crazy. Yeah. And I didn't realize like a lot of the ocean, like where you have the tide coming in, that is frozen for like mm-hmm. three, four months at a time, which is also insane to me. And remember, people are choosing to live there. It's not a state penitentiary. People are choosing to live in. <laughs> I don't know if they really are. I think you're either stuck there monetarily or you're trying to get away from something if you move there. It's it, there's mm, okay. The move away from, I get it. Like if that was if that was witness relocation HQ, so be it. But that's what God invented New Mexico for. What is Alaska there for? And we are land bridged to it. It's not an island, contrary to semi-popular belief where I came from. You can walk to Alaska. It's not recommended, but you can walk there. I the, the best thing that ever happened in Alaska to me was the filming of Mystery Alaska, which is one of the most underrated sports movies ever. People hate on it all the time. But they played pond hockey up there and convinced the NHL to bring the New York Rangers up for an <laughs> exhibition game. And Russell Crowe starred in it. Yeah, it's very realistic. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm changing my Valentine's writing to Maggie today. I'm going to say, uh, uh, you're my Aleutian Islands. I love your your highs and your lows. (laughs) I'm going to put that in there. That's going to work out You make the oscillate much as the Pacific Ocean does. Yes. 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 Just tell me how that works out on the 15th. He doesn't like when she oscillates, though. No comment. Yeah, Boy, that was, yeah, that no, no, I've got, I've definitely got quietly awkward. Yeah, yeah. Those are extra tropical cyclones, not hurricanes. Though, am I correct about that, Pete? Of course, of course. Yeah. And if you need more time, we can we can go another segment. But yes, you are correct. Okay. Was your favorite or least favorite part of the Super Bowl the Twister trailer that played? Okay, so I was at a, uh, <clears throat> I was somewhere I didn't need to be. I was at a party at management's house. Yeah, you took Andy's, Andy's so, Condies. Yeah. Yes. You've got, I, I don't know where the bread plate goes. Why do I have four knives and forks in front of me? So <laughs> I walk around the crystal stemware as the commercial's playing. There are like 20 people in the room. And I just stood in awe because I knew the trailer was coming. And so it finally hits. I stood in awe. Now, I walk in with healthy skepticism that this is going to be a good movie. I'm nervous about it. But as I told you guys many times, it's not the scientific accuracy that drew me into the first twister. It is nailing storm chasing culture. Like you have to be a truly sick minded individual to crave being in the path of a tornado. And so if you get a group of those folks together, very unique culture, um, don't, don't care necessarily about the scientific accuracy. Well, the second one, that's what I want it to nail. I don't care about the scientific accuracy. Although I will say, I think people would be shocked to go back and look at the biggest movies of the 90s and to learn how high up in box office Twister was. And then think about all the sequels we've had of just utter and complete trash. And it took to 2024 to get a sequel to Twister. That's what boggles my mind. In an era where we are starved for original ideas, this has just been sitting there. And no one did anything with it until now. So I'm hopeful, fingers crossed, I'm hopeful that Twister 2 pans out the way it should. I mean, they've, they've done like four Willy Wonkas already. I mean, we have all the time beat that thing to death. I play golf with my insurance provider. He wants to know if you have to disclose your storm chaser on any life insurance policies or auto insurance policies. No, just don't do it. Don't don't answer the question. Yeah, right. is probably what I would I would say. I 
I never thought about that. Can we scrub a lot of what we're talking about yeah, right no, no, no. now? <laughs> yeah. Nobody watches this show. Don't worry about it. Nobody Taylor, watches please, this. We are not clipping this one for social. No. Just feel free to do anything else. Not this one, though. So tell little T, go ahead and delete that tweet she was sending out, right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, he is Josh Pate at Lake Kick Josh on Twitter. See him uh, on 24-7 Sports. Uh, like his work. Give it a thumbs up. Subscribe. Follow him. All those things. Thank you very much, Pate. Have a great week. See you guys. All right, buddy. Take care. Josh Pate with us on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline.